Greetings, programs, and welcome to the Awesome Friday Podcast, the only podcast where we review two films every week. Uh, we're the only one that does it. We own the format. It is patented and copyrighted and trademarked. And we have we have uh, worldwide copyright on yes. home audio equipment. Yes, we have uh, world licensing rights. Uh, but uh, my name is Matthew, <laughs> and I am your host. And with me is Simon. Say das Simon. Uh, no name, say I'm strictly here on an observational position. <laughs> yes, we could do this all day, but I will stop. <laughs> uh, <but yeah>, I... <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're, we're looking at Tetris today, in case you, uh, you were wondering why we were doing literally any of this. We're, one of the films we're talking about this week is Tetris, and it's very, very Russian pantomime. So that was our Russian pantomime KGB voices. And I thought we did rather well. I mean, just don't, if you're uh, Russian and you're hearing my terrible Russian accent, just know that I am, <laughs> I am sorry. Uh, the, the cardinal rule of doing accents is to never do them in front of the, the person who has that oh accent. Oh my God. But uh, it's kind of hard when you're on a, on a radio show that people listen to. So. <laughs> well, thank you for yeah. making us uh, th- n- um, number three in the Good Pods chart, comic chart. And we're so good. We're number three in it twice, which is nice. That's true, that's and also it's a it's a category that I didn't actually realize we were in, so that's uh, <laughs> kind of amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, how are and, you doing? How's how's your week been? Oh, it's been terrible, um, but you know, <laughs> getting getting better. Um, it's been a long week, you know. I have uh, two, three, three, three jobs and and no money, so it's a it's a welcome to vancouver yeah welcome <laughs> welcome to living in vancouver in the year in the year of our lord 2023 how close are you to buying a plot of land on salt spring and becoming a goat farmer and no one ever sees you again you like shut up <laughs> Re- resident evil style fences around your property and you you buy you sell goat cheese at the front gate and that's it no look i don't i don't know how to break this to you but if i can't afford an apartment in Vancouver, then I also can't afford a plot of land <laughs> on Salt Spring. Come on, Salt Spring, you just walk up and put your fence up and you've got, it's like a stodgy valley, basically, isn't it? No, as with most millennials, I am going to be stuck until somebody passes away, basically, oh, is no. how it's going to work. Um, or win the lottery. I could win the lottery. It's a thing that could theoretically happen. It's tax on dreams. Yeah. It's a tax on stupid, stupid dreams. Yes, um, but yeah, no, I mean, anyway. I'm just, I'm just, I, it's just, is yeah, I'm fine. We're all fine. I did receive uh, a bunch of movies from the Criterion Flash Sale, so I'm about to, I'm gonna try and watch at least one of those today. You um, got those really quickly. That that Criterion delivery does not fuck around, does it? You got them really quick. I actually, because I'm in Canada, I actually got them kind of late. Like most people were. Most people I know who ordered stuff were posting it like several several days ago, uh, whereas I only received mine. Uh, well, technically, on this is Sunday, so technically two days ago. But people were posting theirs on like Monday and Tuesday. But I'm so mine had like, a I'm... had a border to go over, so that makes sense. Yeah, so you paid extra. Like I uh, last Emperor, I imagine I haven't seen the last Emperor in a long time, but I watched it. I watched a print of it at some point and. I bet the Blu-ray of The Last Emperor on your TV is just going to be visually 
just drugs just drugs that film yeah. it's so beautiful it's such a gorgeous film you know, you I don't know that, what's... Uh, the, the thing though is that ultimately what's going to happen today is I'm going to look at the I've required a number of blu-rays in the last week and <laughs> ultimately what's going to happen is I'm going to look at I got a new a shiny new criterion edition of Rashomon I got a shiny new criterion edition of the Grand Budapest Hotel I got a shiny new criterion of the power of the dog which to be fair is is a is a movie i enjoy but it's actually not the one i meant to order but that's a whole other story <laughs> um and i got a shiny new criterion of the last emperor and i also res- i also picked up the limited edition steelbook of the 4k of dragon slayer and i'm gonna go ahead and tell you right that. now and i also got the arrow video special edition blu-ray of pitch black and so I'm going to tell you, oh, out of those six God. movies, there's two that I am most likely to watch, and none of them start with the words Criterion Edition <laughs> this and week. Speaking, so. speaking as someone with two kids and um, a dog who has to go to the vet today, the jealousy levels that you are about to watch a Blu-ray of... Is it is the Pitch Black a Blu-ray? Yeah. Or a 4K? Is it a 4K or Blu-ray? It's a Blu-ray. It's a Blu-ray. But the... I am so jealous you're going to have those two films back to back with nothing but you and your cast today. Like that is, yeah, you have earned you have earned that time, my friend. That is that is your time. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Only sound is slightly bitter. Oh, but look at it! For those yeah. who can't see, I will now do descriptive video. Matthew is holding up a steelbook of the Vin Diesel movie Pitch Black. It, it's <laughs> it's glorious. It has him standing in front of the sun holding a knife or something looking muscular and amazing this is the i think i don't think it's mo- a knife i think it's actually one of the monster's teeth oh I, it's been a while i love that era of vin diesel movies where he got big but not so big he decided to be the star like he is brilliant in this movie because he is maybe the antagonist who turns into the protagonist. well not maybe he's a baddie who turns good because he's protecting people against nighttime monsters and Radha Mitchell's in it doing her best Scorny Weaver impression. And the opening 10 minutes of that movie is the best surround sound test I've ever heard. I know you've got a different one, but uh, it's the movie I use to test any speaker setup I've ever got coming from a TV. I am so jealous. I love that film. Yeah. I really, really you know love why? It's because it's, a, it's a, great, a great film. I also love that era of Vin Diesel movie where we all understood that he was somehow appealing but not actually very good <laughs> do you know i mean like, that's all of that's still true now yeah but we don't really admit it in the same way that we used to do you know what i mean like we don't we used to be like oh Vin diesel this is going to be a fun stupid poorly acted movie and now we're like you know we're people there's people who talk about the fast and furious movies as the greatest american franchise and to be fair that's because they are but also, he's <laughs> yeah. still not a very good actor in the same way. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, but I, I, I think he's in on it. Like, he's he's made some very interesting dr- dramas. He's done dramatic work, and I think he's realized that he he wants to have more fun on sets, and he likes he knows how much fun people have watching his movies. Like, if you watch, um, I love Triple X Three with all my heart. It's great. That's the closest any American company has ever come to making something like Pathan, like some kind of Indian ridiculous action movie with a couple of the same stars as well. But I I think that he gets why people go to watch action movies in a way that someone like 
the rock or your shazam guy don't like and i think that's the big difference is that he doesn't i don't think he he has any delusions of grandeur beyond you're going to come to the cinema and watch my film and have an amazing time and i i really felt that watching fast x as well i loved fast x i thought it was is that the one that's just come out? The the one that we haven't seen yet. Whatever the last uh, one was, uh, the last I one was just called was called F nine. F nine, right? F nine, the Fast F9. Saga, or F nine. And honestly, I hate. I'm just gonna time. just gonna put it out there that I think the fact that the next one, the tenth Fast and Furious movie, is called Fast Ten or Fast X, and not Fast Ten, your seal your seatbelt, is just highlights. <laughs> Highlights a, a, a failure of our society. Yes, you should have I mean? done better there, really. Should've Especially done much, much like, better. I don't know. I just my favorite one is. I know you you don't agree, but um, Fast Five is by far the best one, I think. And I, uh... I would need to rewatch Fast Five. <clears throat> I I he, the moment I fell in love with Fast and Furious as a franchise was Fast Six, and I think so. Fast Fast Five is just Brochens Eleven. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's 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 Ocean's Eleven, but they all drive sports cars. That's that's right. all the movie is, and it's uh, it's a very it's a great version of that kind of like to the point where like there's three of them, and they're like, oh, we're gonna need another guy, and then they figure out they need another thing, and they're like, oh, we'll have to bring in another guy, <laughs> you know, until they have a full yeah. team of specialists who perfectly yeah. execute this elaborate heist plan. And it's, it's just no. that, like, instead of being a huge misdirect where they walk the the money out the front door dressed as police, they're dragging a bank vault with two police cars that are <laughs> actually Mustang. Like, it's a ridiculous film, and I love it so, so much. Is that the one with the, the big chase through the Brazilian favela? That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good film. It's I, also, I it's also I... the last one where they're not just superheroes, you know? It's, yeah it's... okay that's exactly kind of where i was going like i feel like six pushed the boundary of them getting a bit more pantomime a bit more stupid but in a good way if that makes sense a bit mm. a bit less a bit less realistic and i and since six i think that each movie has tried to up that scale uh, of uh you won't believe this because it's unbelievable because it's actually not possible that for a car to spider-man its way over a chasm or to go into space and then come back and be everyone be fine. Like it's complete escapism, and, uh, and I, I think fair, they just like, they do it really, really well. They do do it really, really well, and they they operate on. I think we may have even said this last week, but they definitely operate on the same wavelength of films like Patan and mm-hmm. uh, you know big, For sure. bombastic um, action films. But uh, yeah, five five is the last one where they are not literally just superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's uh, I still think, and I don't, and I say this as a person who loves all of them, with the potential exclusion of uh, eight, um, which mm, I think is yeah. fine. Um, but I think there's some I I I very much appreciate five for that reason, and mm-hmm. I just think it's also just like the tightest story and the best acting and the best like mm-hmm. narrative economy of all of them. It's not mm-hmm. trying to push the well it's not that it's not trying to push boundaries it's that it's not trying to constantly add to what's going on or set things up for the next movie like from about mm-hmm. six on you can tell they know they're getting more movies mm-hmm. um 
and I'm sure they knew that with five as well, but it really in six, it really does feel like they're like, okay, this is for the next one. And uh, eight, eight is the worst one for that too, where like they literally don't beat the bad guy. <laughs> they just don't. Yeah. It's uh it's a whole thing. Is, is 10 still going to be two movies? Yep. Well, it's 10 oh. and 11, technically. Oh, it's not a part one, part two? I, I don't think so. Uh, Fast and Furious 11. It's still, yep, it's still on there. I think uh, the latest rumor oh. is that he's trying to get Robert Downey to join the cast. That's fun. <laughs> of course he is. At this point, it's a it's a call of honor, isn't it, to get that phone call? I mean, Charlize Theron will I, have been in three of them when Ten comes out. <laughs> I think. Uh, so, it, yes. I think it's it's really interesting to me, and I think about this about Adam Sandler as well. That people keep coming back to be in his movies. Like people keep turning up. There's no way Helen Mirren would turn up to be in a Fast and Furious if there was any kind of douchebaggery going on. Because the whole shit that happened with when The Rock... I feel like The Rock may have been the douchebag element here when he was uh, show, throwing shit around for unprofessional practices or whatever. Like People keep... Vin Diesel can pick up a call and say, do you want to be in a Fast and Furious movie? And most people, I bet he calls, go, yeah, without even reading anything. Because I think he's got... Uh, reputation is a powerful thing in this kind of ensemble and people keep coming back and people keep wanting to do it and i i don't think that's for nothing and so i bet they have a, just a great time filming i know helen mirren has talked at length about how much fun she's had with finn diesel in a car and what a sweetheart he is and how much they joke around and and i trust helen mirren more than the rock when it comes to um someone's uh personality you know, so, yeah. I'm just looking at the cast list for Fast 10, and of the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So there's 17 people who are, like, listed characters on the Wikipedia page. I'm just going to put this out there. Two of them... Actually, sorry, no, in this one, only one of them, because The Rock's not in it. So only one of them is a former wrestler. But four of them are Oscar winners. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Helen Mirren I mean, won Best you, Actress, Charlize you. Theron won yeah. Best Actress, Brie Larson won Best Actress, and Rita Moreno yeah. is in the new one, and she won Best Supporting Actress. So, like... <laughs> they, they, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. It's... it's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Brie Larson's... Uh, Oh, that's cute. Brie Larson's character, like, drew... Apparently, she drew on Vin Diesel's daughter as, like, inspiration for the character. And her daughter, and his daughter's name is Pauline, named after Paul Walker. Aww. Oh, stop. Stop it! Family. Yeah. Family. Anyway. You're mispronouncing it. There's a B. There's a very distinct I'm B. I'm sorry. Sorry, that's my English pronunciation. Family. I was just thinking about how it also had Kurt Russell and Bruce Willis in there. And then I, th I got sad about Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah. So yeah, may, may the franchise never die. I really hope that F F X uh, and F X plus one make <laughs> so much money that like, okay, Vin, this is this is a franchise that we we want to keep making. Let's just keep making these stupid car heist movies 
with ridiculous cameos. Like this is our Avengers now. This is our Endgame. Every movie, just have some more money and make us a damn. Movie. I mean, they're they're just soap operas for dude bros. Like right down to. You know, uh, Sung Kang's character having died and then been revealed to have only faked his death three <laughs> movies later. And the, and the timeline of the first, like, seven of them being, like, one, two, three, five, six, four, seven. <laughs> or no, five, five, six, seven, four, eight, or whatever it is. Um, it's, 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 it's ridiculous and wonderful. And, you know, Michelle Reed Rodriguez's character lost her memory for a movie. That was yeah. six, I believe. Um, I mean, in a, yeah. in a world of MCU and uh, domination, Fast and Furious is probably the best comic book, true comic book movie out there. I find Marvel movies are getting less and less, I've been talked about this before, less and less comic booky because they take fewer chances. But Fast and Furious is going the other way. Like, the Fast 9 was a pure comic book excess and all the better for it yeah right up to like we all knew they were going to space they made it to space before tom cruise which is just impressive. <laughs> um although to be uh, fair when when it, when the time comes uh we all know he's gonna do it for real so, yeah apparently that's in the works i mean he is a. Uh, I i do i have i do love tom cruise i'm a major tom cruise fan with with the acknowledgement that he is both a crazy person and a cult member and has benefited from modern day slave labor. But anyway, um, that's a show for another time. I do, I do worry now. I, I am looking forward to the new mission impossible movies. Like you cannot imagine like Christopher McQuarrie's a genius and he's got a brilliant working um, relationship with Tom Cruise, but it does like all the marketing up to this point is really, really focused on here's how we almost killed him in this movie and it's better how we than we almost killed him in the last movie and at some point one thing's going to happen either they're not going to be able to top themselves or they're going to kill tom cruise by yeah, like they're either, throwing, not, throwing they're either not going to be able to top themselves or to use the british slang they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna good. they're gonna top him <laughs> i mean how else is this gonna play out they can't keep throwing an old because he's an old man now they can't keep throwing him out of planes for real and sending him to space for real uh, I God knows sure what his insurance is on all this. I can't. Even I'm pretty sure he just. Co- I'm pretty, pretty sure he just covers it. It's yeah, fine. I probably am not sure. Yeah. But the thing but to remember I, about I Tom Cruise to. is that they're not just they're not just idly throwing him into things. At this point, he is he is the most highly trained stuntman in the world. In addition <laughs> yes. to being a good actor, like he does, he he puts in the time. He does all the training. He does mm-hmm. everything you need to to make sure that it is. Uh, the, the whatever he's doing is both practical and safe. Um, and when I say I'm not actually using hyperbole, I do literally legitimately believe he is the most highly trained stuntman in the world. Um, and that will probably expose some ignorance of stuntmen in general. Um, but generally speaking, like of me, but um, but generally speaking, like I see a lot of stunt people on screen and they're generally specialists. There's, you know, there's fight guys, there's guys who fall off stuff, um, that kind of thing. Um, But Tom Cruise has jumped out of planes. uh, He's learned to pilot a helicopter. um, And he's dangled from a rope on, that's on a moving helicopter. And he's climbed a thousand foot cliff. And that was just in his last movie. 
<laughs> so yeah, he's next level. He's just he he pushes himself to learn everything. I mean, you're right. He's got that versatility completely. Yeah, and this is actually a pretty good segue into our first film of this show, which now that we've bantered for 20 minutes, yeah. um, because Tom Cruise, I feel, does share uh, one thing with this film's main star, which is they both very much appear to love making movies. Um, mm-hmm. And Keanu Reeves is like my favorite. My favorite story about Keanu Reeves in the past couple of years is literally, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, I think I still want to say it was Chad Stahelski, but there's someone picked him up to take him to the set of John Wick 3. And on his way there, apparently he was just like bouncing up and down in the car going, making movies, making movies, making movies. Like He just is like <laughs> super excited just to be making movies. And let me tell you, when we talk about John Wick Chapter 4 for the next 20 minutes, that comes through in every frame. This guy loves making movies. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about John Wick 4. And uh, the synopsis of the film is that it's set several months i'm guessing after the end of three because he's mm-hmm. you know very badly wounded at the end of three and he's fully recuperated at the beginning of four and he's handed a suit by um the bowery king played by lawrence fishburne and they start their bloody campaign of revenge against the high table and then the rest of the three-hour movie is an action scene <laughs> uh for, for the most part yeah yeah absolutely um it's a bit rushed in places, but you know, John goes to confront the elder of like the person who sits above the table. And then he starts hunting down people who wronged him. And then basically the high table uh, empowers the Marquis who's played by uh, Bill Skarsgård. Give him carte blanche to just deal with John Wick. And uh, he understands he needs to kill not just John Wick, but the idea thereof. And so he starts basically burning John Wick's life to the ground in a far more significant way than the other bad guys have done that. He, the first thing he does is blow up the New York continental, which I found actually quite shocking. Um, and then proceed to like hunt down everyone who's ever called John Wick friend, um, including, uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, who's the, the manager of the Tokyo Continental. And part of the way he does this is that he recruits um, another sort of legendary agent uh, played by Donnie Yen, also a former friend of John Wick named Kane. Uh, and so there's a number of amazing Donnie Yen fight scenes. Um, and uh, also in the mix is Shamir Anderson, Canadian actor Shamir Anderson, as Mr. Nobody, who's another, who's a tracker, who's pursuing John Wick for the ever-increasing amount of money that is his open contract. And I don't really want to say too much more about the plot, really, because there's, A, there's not really that much more of the plot. It really is just existing to loosely string together uh, these pretty intense action sequences, as we've come to know and love from the John Wick films. And I don't want to spoil any of the few surprises that there might be. Um, but basically, if you've been enjoying... My my one-sentence review is that if you've been enjoying the John Wick films, you shall continue to enjoy the John Wick films. This is very much in the same uh, vein as 2 and 3. Um, for me, personally, I think I still prefer 3. 
Um, but we're talking about like good versus great or great versus amazing might even be a better way to put it. Um, the last hour of this movie, it is a long movie at 170 odd minutes. Um, but the last like hour of it is one long, very well executed action sequence, including, I would say, uh, there's a fight up a staircase that is one of the best things in the franchise. And there's also, there's also, there's also a one scene that's shot from above that might be one of the best things in the franchise. And I don't want to spoil any of it for you, but it involves again, a floating camera and a shotgun with incendiary rounds. And it is, that's actually probably the most fun sequence in the whole movie. And uh, maybe the franchise, but it's, it's good. It's good. Like if you like John Wick movies, you're going to like this movie. That's 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 it. That's the whole. That's the whole. There's no. Is it's not. It's it's it ups the stakes a little bit. It ups the action a little bit. Um, and Chad Stahelski, the director of all four, who I'm so glad stayed the director of this one because I think, having watched his movies and also a lot of David Leach movies, I now have opinions about two of them. But David Leach does seem to be, very openly trying to push himself as a filmmaker uh not just in terms of up in the stakes of the film but also making more inventive ways of filming what's going on and i think it really comes through in this film i don't know i feel like i'm rambling a little bit how do you feel about the movie simon so let me tell you why this movie why any of these movies work and that's because keanu reeves is the greatest screen physical actor since harold lloyd there is i mean that's true that's just that's just implied there's nobody, there, but it is incredibly hard to, to pull all that off. And also someone else said, there's no one else who's better at holding a gun. And there's a wonderful moment in this film where um, the, uh, uh, the, the daughter, uh, Akira, the daughter of the, uh, the, the, the Osaka Continental manager, who's also his concierge, says, are you armed? And to answer this, Keanu Reeves pulls out his gun. And I know that doesn't sound overly dramatic, but it is the best way anyone has ever taken a gun out and showed that they are armed. Because it's true, he he fucking just his whole body. I his I, I look at a lot of bodies, like all of bodies, when it comes to physical theater, and 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 that's what this is completely. His every ounce, every molecule in his body is focused on this one thing at that one time, and the he um. I'm sure there are. You've seen the behind the scenes uh, of his training for all of these movies, and he takes it very, very seriously and becomes very, very, very proficient at shooting. And the thing about the John Wick as a franchise, because I, after watching this, I went back and watched every other John Wick movie again, just so I could be sure about where this fits in my ranking. And since two, the the whole idea of the high table and the rules of the high table have been the contrast against the freedom. So John only wants his freedom and the high table wants order. And there, there's never been a way for that to kind of exist at the same time. If they if they give him an opportunity to go free, it's always at a terrible cost that he then is unwilling to pay, like killing Winston in the third one. And um, so he gets then in more shit with the high table, which the next movie then tries to resolve. And it is... The sense of the the John Wick movies is that they are each one is an attempt to be bigger and better, and certainly with a bigger budget as well. 
And it's been really, really interesting for me to watch the excesses of four and then go back to one. And one actually seems one almost is very gra- grounded. Very, very stripped <laughs> right. down by comparison. Yeah. By comparison. And what's it and I kind of I really, really like one because the after two they introduced the the Kev the Kevlar suits, which I think is a bit of a, a cop out by I, I I don't need to talk too much about that. But in in one you have to dodge the the bullets. They can't just hit you. And your Kevlar suit sort of reflects them. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot of movement physicality. The fight scene where the the uh, squad comes to John Wick's house when he's just dug up all his weapons. He's decided to take revenge. He's spoken to this Russian local Russian mob leader, and he sends a squad out to kill him. And and John used to work for him. So there's this this history as well. And the fight scene of that squad coming into his home and him taking them down is still one of the best fight scenes. Like, um, the oh, yeah, that's an incredible Ch- sequence. Ch- Chad, Chad um, Stalinsky is, is Stahelsky. as... Stahelsky. Like, Stahelsky yep. is as much a dance choreographer as he is a filmmaker. And I think that's an absolutely essential part for why these movies work, because the dance choreography in these movies is exceptional except instead of dancing they are moving and shooting <laughs> but the um the, there's a lot of passive camera work as well i know we both love a camera that actually lets lets you see the fights lets you see yeah. the, the longer takes and there's so i rewatched one i i don't think two is as successful two is a bit bloated because, and a bit misguided because it does try to introduce too much law the high table law three for me is the high point still of the franchise because it combines all those things together, but goes back to the pure choreographed, uh, jet setting, uh, epic fantasy of one man trying to uh, find his freedom. And also there's a, there's a wonderful, the best part of three is an escape from the continental in Casablanca with uh, Keanu Reeves and Hal Barry and, and the whole, thing uh, with two dogs is choreographed and shot perfectly and and it is a series of extended takes of lots and lots and lots of moves guns and fighting and it is just like so satisfying it's just so satisfying to not be an inch away with a cut every half second so they can patch together like the single moves that actors learn and then they move on to the next one because it's easier and then they just patch them all together there's none of that in this film. Like you can see the work. Halle Berry is an absolute goddess in that film. And she holds a candle to Keanu Reeves and there's not many who can. And I think my opinion of four coming out of four is that four is still the, an action masterpiece, but I think it was a little bloated. And I think it went back a little too much on the, it needed its epic solution. And you're right. The last hour was definitely the longest hour. Yeah. Saying oh, saying that, Donnie. If I just before I forget, two things. Donnie Yen is clearly having a brilliant time. I would watch Donnie Yen just do his shopping. He is magnetic, and also uh, this is the second film I've seen uh, Scott Atkins Adkins in, and it's the second film that he has stolen completely by being incredible. Um, so I really really enjoyed it, but yeah, three is better for me. Yeah, I mean everything you're saying. I don't disagree with anything particularly you're saying. Um, the whole 8711 uh, action design team 
I think does some some excellent work. And I think they're really good at at doing action in a way that both of us really appreciate. In particular, uh, when in particular when Stahelski's in charge, I feel like it's not as successful. Like I know you loved Bullet Train, but I thought it was just a little too. I feel like David Least doesn't have the same voice and doesn't push himself to try new things in the same way that Stahelski does. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just also just a a, a fact of. Keanu Reeves wanting to do more and be more in these films. But um, uh, I've sort of lost my train of thought here. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, yeah, I agree. I think that three, one is obviously was only ever intended to be a one-off. So two adds way too much lore. It's way out of balance. And three is the best balance of all of the things. And four is pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah. um, But it's sort of... And it's obviously also designed to give the character an end. Like, I think they, the original plan was for this to be maybe the last one. And uh, so that rather than going, you know, super epic with it, they go kind of meaningfully with it. It's hard to talk about the way it ends without yeah. giving it away. But uh, they are clearly trying for a more resonant ending than epic. And I, I don't think it's unsuccessful, but I think it's just not what I necessarily wanted especially when the action sequence ahead of it which is keanu reeves fighting his way up uh, a set of stairs is legitimately incredible and you're right that he's i was while you were talking one of my notes to talk about was like i'd really like to see keanu reeves do a musical not because i think he could sing but because i really want to see him dance yes you know what i mean like and i'm not saying i don't think he can sing i have no idea if he can sing but i really want to see this guy take on like a really complicated dance number Uh, because i think it might be legitimately incredible yeah uh and because it is he's he's so good you're right he's got such a such a physicality he acts so much with his whole body just the way he like um even if when he like takes a hit or he's knocked over, just the way he like the way his face and body behave when he's getting up from situations like that is compelling. Cause you can tell there's this perfect balance of like, I am going to kill you. And also like, Jesus, that hurt. <laughs> and like, or, and a lot of the best ones are often the look on his face. It's like, really? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. And, He's just so, despite being a superhuman person, at one point in this movie, he falls from a third story balcony, lands on an outcropping, sorry, bounces off an outcropping off of his spine and lands flat on the ground and just like gets up like he is not a human person, Um, but he feels very human regardless. Uh, And that is all to do with the way that Keanu Reeves just moves on screen. And it's it's pretty wonderful to watch. He does the humor beats really well, and I think you do see that better. John Wick 3 has the... Um, there's an element of John Wick 3 where a, a hit squad is sent is sent after John Wick by the high table to take down the people that helped him. It's led by Mark Dasascos, you're going to correct me, the Iron the Chef cas- guy. The Cascos. Thank you. And it turns out that he and his squad turn out to be massive John Wick fanboys. And it's just handled really, really well. Like mid-fight, they're like, "Excuse me, I'm just—it's such an honor to meet you and to fight you." And um, <laughs> yeah. and and he has when they when they 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 end up in the Continental and they're set next to each other, um, Mark and Keanu. 
And it's great because Mark does you know, the whole thing like we're the we're the same you and I. And Jobby's like, no, we're not. <laughs> he says, no, 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 we are. And Kiara just says, no, we're not. And just walks away. And it's just such a perfect refutation of that cliche and what fa- what fanboys think about their heroes. Like, oh, we're, he's just like me for real. It's like, you're nothing. You're nothing like me. Like, stop, stop um, deluding yourself. And I thought four could have done with that kind of hand with the comedic elements as well, because he can definitely pull it off. But I mean, there were a couple of things in four that I was disappointed by. Um, I don't think Bill Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård is a fantastic actor. I don't think he was fantastic in this movie. He's kind of, uh, I did I think, think his, he... I did think his French cause he's meant to be a Frenchman. And I did <laughs> yeah. think his, his French accent was a little bit too, what's the best way to say this? It's a little bit too Not French. I am doing a French accent. And Why I am being make... a I am being a douchebag as a result. We like we? they wanted him to be foreign. Why not make him Danish? I reckon he's got a pretty good Danish accent that he I could mean, do instead of French. One, one can only uh, imagine. Um, I was also super disappointed that uh, Swedish. Rina's... He's, sw- he's Swedish, isn't he? Sweet. Oh, is he Swedish? He's Swedish. But also, make him Swedish. Like, doesn't... yeah, make him Swedish. Don't make him French. Um, I were I. From the trailers, I thought that Rina Sawayama would have a much bigger role in this movie, and she's only in it for probably my favorite part of the movie is the first third, and um, she has a major role, and she is brilliant as like this archer who defends him on the rooftop. Yeah, but then, then she, she is le- she's legitimately great. Yeah, and also, um, Sh- Sh- what's his name? Shamir Shamir Anderson. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. He is just like magnet. He is so charismatic, and he's got this journal, right? And it's clear that he's trying to get John Wick's um, contract up. So there's one point in the beginning where he could have killed him. He's like, "No, you're not worth enough yet." And it's it's shown like he crosses out these monetary values. He's trying to get fifty million, and then that's never really resolved. And at the end, he kind of well, I won't tell you what happens, but. I don't. I don't feel like they gave the his arc enough time to sort of resolve itself. So it did. Like you said at the beginning, a few bits felt rushed, and that was a rushed bit for me. So there were a yeah. few elements that didn't quite work out for me. I don't know if I necessarily agree because there's definitely a moment that makes clear why, like the way that Shamir Anderson's, the way Mister Nobody's arc resolves. There's uh, there's a solid couple of moments where it's made clear why he behaves the way he does in the last third of the movie and i didn't not work for me um but yeah. he is again he's a magnet you have seen him in at least one thing he was in a really bad movie we reviewed a year or two ago called awake uh which is the one where um uh what's her name it's the one where they like people can't fall asleep or if they fall asleep they die or something I can't remember and like the mother the the daughter can sleep but the mother can't and uh it's, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good movie, so it doesn't really matter. It had Gina Rodriguez in it and Jennifer Jason Lee and a few I have other people. No memory of that film. Whatsoever. It was like like two years ago. Um, and he was good in it, but like um, the movie itself was not good. But he's been right. in a ton of a ton of good TV. He's been in a number of good movies as well. Um, and he's mm-hmm. Canadian, so uh, it's uh, it's a it's a win. It's a win. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, stars, you... I I would also say that I I I 
was a little disappointed at how much um, Rina Sawayama was not in it. Um, mm-hmm. But the trade-off also was that we got to see a fight scene between Donnie Yen and Hiroyuki Sanada, which was uh, pretty electric the whole time. It was. It was. They're, they are both amazing physical performers as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I just wish that uh, they were both in the movie more than they were. Yeah, and Donnie, Donnie Yen is also like really good at comedy beats too, especially in, in the final fight. Um, he he's legitimately like one of the biggest laughs from a Donnie Yen line on the yeah. steps. That's that's very very true. <laughs> yeah, he's funny throughout. There's also a great. He's like right before his first scene, he's been like conscripted by the high table to go after John Wick, and the this team of commandos is chasing after them. And there's a great couple of shots of him just like sitting in the background eating noodles, <laughs> yes. like obviously not wanting to do to do this. Yeah. And just again, it's another one of those things. As with Keanu Reeves, where like he just has such a full understanding of how his body moves that he can make eating noodles kind of mm-hmm. hilarious. Like mm-hmm. even even without the context of what's going on, I think it would still be a funny moment. Yeah. So hey, do you know do you know what's really increased since the first one as well is that the script is becoming more and more about people spouting philosophical quotes at each other. I don't know if you've noticed that as well, but that was really obvious watching all of them in two days. How it's for whatever reason is getting is trying to be more and more profound and epic, and that people will say something, and oftentimes a response will be in the fourth century BC, a captain did it, and and uh, I I could I could do with less of that, but it's a minor point. Really. I mean, I don't know. I I just think it's it's. The one thing that's interesting about these movies to me is that the whole like idea of, you know, John representing free will on the high table representing order is that it um, it's kind of the best Assassin's Creed movies we never asked for. Absolutely. This is the <laughs> best video game movie of which there's been no video game. It felt like another writer, a, a really good writer, Robbie Collins said, it's like um, you know, the drive director decided to make a three hour adaptation of a 90s SNK beat em up. And at times, especially like the Scott Atkins fight in the middle, feels exactly, exactly like an SNK beat him up. So it, um, yeah, it really does. And yeah. it does, it does have a, uh, it does have a Nicholas Winding Refn sort of like um, air about it at times too. Sort of a, mm-hmm. a little bit self, self-serious to the point where it's ridiculous but wonderful all at the same time. Yeah, um, that beautiful neon purple in a big part of this movie as well. Really yeah. gorgeous to look at. Yeah. So uh, for me, oh, I'm gonna... oh. no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, CGI cars, man. They, they, the CGI cars did not look good compared to the real cars from the previous movies. There you go. That's all I want to say. The big crazy. There's a big uh, action car scene which would have been impossible with real cars. So I do appreciate that it's a practical um, requirement, but the the physics of cars crashing. For whatever reason, it stands out a mile, like the dog stuff, the CGI dog stuff as well. You can see when it transitions. And in three, it looks, I'm pretty sure all the car stuff and dog stuff was real because it looks a lot better. Anyway, that's my last. Um, Yeah, there's definitely a whole sequence. There's definitely moments where the dogs in particular like become CG um, because they're in peril. They'd be in in real life. They would just not survive what they're being put through yeah, yeah and so like i'm not in any way arguing against them being cg but you can tell 
And uh, at the same time, like some of the car crashing stuff is obviously fake because, again, the people involved wouldn't survive. Yeah. But also, but at the same time, like it, he does like pretty classic like cowboy thing where he's driving a car without a door and he drifts around a gun and picks it up and starts drifts around a gun that's on the <laughs> ground, picks it up and starts shooting that's, like he was riding a horse. And that shit's incredible. That's pretty great. Yeah. That's so, pretty great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it's still a four star movie. Like it's not for all our little nitpicks here, like it's not a bad movie. Yeah. It's super fun. I do think oh, it's good. My, it's good. The one, yeah. the one thing to worry about for me is that it is a, it is a nearly three hour movie. And for the question of, does it earn that runtime? The answer for me is not quite like, mm-hmm. you know, lots, but I seem to be in the minority on that one. Lots of people say that it is the best action movie since Fury Road. And that might still be true to be totally honest, like the level of care and sheer like planning and the level of the execution thereof in this movie is, is incredible. It's amazing. Um, but it is a little bit long. It's a little bit long. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just like slightly long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The fury road of John Wick for me is, is John Wick three, like without any doubt. And I was thinking about how many stars to give this film, and I would deeply, deeply, deeply love because of the craft on show. It, it, I would love to give it higher, but the, like from my heart, I know that for me this is three stars, and that's and as well, like looking back, John Wick One is a four star movie, and John Wick Two is a two star movie for me because this movie is better than John Wick Two, not as good as John Wick One, and. Uh, chapter three for me is a five star movie. So in terms of our scale of one to five, it just makes logical sense to me that I give this three. Um, but like, go see it. Go I don't know. see it in the cinema. For me, it um, even acknowledging that two is out of balance. For me, they are five four five four. So in terms of number of stars. So oh really? Okay. Um, I still, I, for me, like I can. That's as fair. much as That's much fair. as I have nit, like nitpicks, like they are all great. None of them are bad. Like all of them are no. a, none of them. All of them are a great time at the movies, and uh, that is that goes a long way for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I have a cat. Hello. hello. Wow. Hello. Hey, Sheldon. That's yeah. the cat I never see. Um, yeah, they are. This is the kind of film you do want to see in the movies with the big screen. We didn't get a rowdy audience, but I, a writer I like saw it with a very vocal audience. And he said people were just applauding after the big action pieces. And if you can get yourself that kind of audience, a bit like RRR really, I think that will enhance your experience. But more importantly, if you spend money to watch this movie, then they're going to keep making the, uh, like great American action movies. And this kind of thing usually used to, if it got a sequel, it'd be straight to like video on demand with a different actor. Like this is... To have four of these now, of these pure action movies, is something we need to treasure and support. Because mm-hmm. I would like more, more of this, please. Yeah, same thing with like, um, again, Bullet Train, same production people, um, which I didn't really like, but um, I, I should see that movie because I seem to be in the minority, but also because I want them to make more movies like that. Yeah, and and if you haven't seen it, like, um. They they also did Kate, which is bad, but they also did Violent Night, which oh. is a ton of fun. So definitely, oh, uh, is that the David Harbour Santa movie? I still haven't yeah. seen that. 
They also did Nobody, which is the basically it's like old older John Wick with uh, Bob Odenkirk, which is a legitimately that. fun movie. Oh great! Yeah, Kate was terrible. But yeah, Kate was bad. That was more that was more the script and the direction, man. That was um, okay. Kate, Kate, as I like, it's my it's still actually one of my most popular reviews on Letterboxd, where my one my sentence review was that like people who think that John Wick or Atomic Blonde, heavy style versus substance problem, should watch Kate to see what that really looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. But Mary Elizabeth Winstead is... Uh, nah, she can't save it. It's not I, worth I'm it. Not, I, can't, I can't... She can't save it. She can't save it. And But I, my crush on her is ridiculous. It always has been. And it's maybe watch it for her, but it's not good at all. No. It's really not good. And you're never you're never gonna compete with you and McGregor anyway. So <laughs> God knows I've tried, as yeah. my wife keeps telling me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, well, let's move on. Um, yeah, go go see it. Yeah, go see it. It's in theaters, uh, in yeah, cinemas really. if you're in the UK, and um, you should you should see it. <laughs> it I it would was... watch a live theater performance of John Wick. Oh my God, are you kidding me? If they did a live a live theater performance of John I'm Wick, te- I'm telling you, holy shit, mu- like a ballet mu- musical, musical. <laughs> They're so close to being oh, musical, anyway. It really, and this is what I said to you. I leaned to you after the first, the opening ten minutes, where they do the smash, the Lawrence of Arabia smash cut, uh, uh, crossfade rather, uh, match cut, I should say. Jesus Christ, yeah. And that the beginning of John Wick Four is a musical. <laughs> and I mean that. I don't mean that in the metaphorical style. I mean literally, everything is played to a, a beat and a music, and it is. I w- I wish the whole movie had done that basically. But anyway, it's still a great time. Go see it. Yeah. Well, let's move on uh, to our yeah. second second film of the show because um, we're running a little long. Um, I know I've got nothing to say about this one. So that's fine. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, the new okay. Apple TV Plus release. This movie release uh, had its premiere at South by Southwest uh, earlier yes. in March, and uh, then premiered this past weekend on uh, Apple TV Plus. And it is the biographical thriller, is uh, Tetris, starring yes. um, Taryn Egerton and Nikita Efremov and uh, Toby Jones and a number of other people. And uh, Simon, why don't you give us the rundown on Tetris? Because I think you literally just finished watching it, assuming you... Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, just before the podcast. So um, Tyrone Egerton plays Hank Rogers, Hank Rogers, I should say, who is, uh, who's in the the job of selling uh, video games around the world. So computer games at that time. And he is one of a number of people who go to different countries and try to develop local games for international release. And at the beginning of the the film, he's trying to sell his version of Go. Um, As he describes it, it's like chess, but infinitely harder. Um, uh, At the Consumer Electronics Show, when that was still a thing. And uh, it gets right down to it, basically. It gets right to the point where he sees one of his competitors' uh, game called Tetris, the first time he plays it. And he falls in love with it instantly. And then the rest of the movie is him basically betting the farm on trying to secure the rights for Tetris or very specifically the handheld rights, because in his conversations with 
Nintendo, uh, they reveal that they have the, the Game Boy coming out and he he does a magical mock-up of Tetris working perfectly on the Game Boy and they fall in love with it. And that th- this whole film just does not waste any time. It's basically, uh, I, I think it's, it takes the, the, the main points of this story and kind of rewrites them into something that tries to be a bit more um, movie friendly. Um, the, the bo- there's a book called uh, Tetris, The Games People Play, which is a graphic novel by uh, Brian Brown, or it's called Box Brown. And it's a really wonderful graphic novel because it actually tells the entire story of all the moving parts and, and all the negotiations took longer. And it, tell, it talks a lot about the game theory as well. It's a really, really wonderful book. So it's really interesting to have read that and then come to uh, the Apple movie Tetris and see the, how much they've condensed to make it more um, filmy. And unfortunately, uh, everyone is played and written like a pantomime character. I mean, you heard our ridiculous KGB accents at the beginning. Now, there's no doubt that the KGB are, were, are terrible, uh, ruthless people, and communist Russia was pretty ruthless. But it's um, there's not an ounce of nuance in any of, in any of it. In fact, I found it, it, it is so determined on getting straight down to the story and then buzzing through the plot points of the story, I actually found it quite boring. And the, the thing that, there's two things that summarize my my connection to this movie. The first part is they they often use computer graphic overlays to enhance the story that they're trying to tell. And there's one point where Hank is saying, "Oh, it's like Mario has he's trying to convince Nintendo to buy into his Tetris idea and that Tetris should go with the Game Boy because Mario has Luigi." And it cuts to uh, a video game of Mario and Luigi, or and like a uh, Link has Zelda, and it cuts to a picture of Legend of Zelda Four Swords with two links. And then later on, there's a, a pretty good car chase, to be fair. Uh, and they use a computer game overlay to emphasize the dramatic elements of the car chase. And there's one point of the car chase where the car, and they've been playing Tetris a lot up to this point, talking about the blocks fitting together. A truck pulls in and there's a tiny long gap for their car to perfectly slip through before the truck moves over a little bit and their car gets stuck in the long gap. And there's a a thin shot from an above angle. There's a thin like um, alleyway with the truck and the car (laughs) like coming to a stop together. And the video game they overlay to enhance this is a video game Spy Hunter. Mm. Instead of instead of using the analogy they've got right in front of them which is a movie about tetris and the whole thing felt like yeah it it didn't particularly convince me that the people making it really knew much about the game or what it means to people or even how to use it in a creative way i said to you when i started watching this it's so straightforward the whole thing is told in such a straightforward way and i'm really reacting these days to the creativity and way in which a story is told. And when you've got a moment like that, where they use an overhead racer spy hunter to show the moment when a car slips between a gap and another car gets stuck in an alleyway. I mean, it's right in front of you to make that analogy with the game your movie is literally about. And so the yeah. whole thing was like that for me. It didn't feel, I didn't believe any of it. Everyone's a pantomime character. And I, say, I, didn't, I didn't believe any of it. 
I would say that I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think that, um, cause I don't, I think for me, the thing is that they didn't, whenever they do these video game overlays and especially during that car chase, they're not actually actively aping any game at all. What they seem to be really going for to my mind is that they're just, they just turn everything into, into squares. They turn everything into Tetris blocks, but not like the Tetris shapes. Just, they like just make, the make, make the texture pixels. And I think they really yeah. missed an opportunity to do what you're saying, which is that like yeah, totally. make the pieces slot together. But for me, they're not aping openly aping any particular game outside of the like chapter markers <laughs> in the movie, which are very um, just meant to be like eight bit graphics, eight bit color graphics. Um, mm. And everyone, you know, every major character is outlined as a quote player in the story. Um, and I don't know. I think I think I like this movie. Or maybe I didn't dislike it. Maybe I liked it more. Maybe I just didn't dislike it as much. Um, because I think it's ultimately kind of fine. But it's important to note that this movie hits the ground running in the first 10 seconds and never stops. Like, there is no room to breathe in the story. Yeah. There is... It's just like, it's go, 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 go the whole time. And, yeah. When, when... And, like, I, and I don't think that's... I don't think that's necessarily even a bad structure. But, like, they're just like... There's just no room to breathe, like at all, and it's such a shame because I think that Taron Egerton is really good in it, and I think that the guy who plays, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Alexei Alexei Pajitinov, uh, he's an actor called Nikita Efremov. Uh, I think he's actually really good too, and I think that they have a really interesting chemistry as the like, you know, this mm-hmm. publisher and creator of. Tetris, yeah. who become, you know, unlikely friends. I think that they are legitimately great, and I think that all the scenes they share together are legitimately yeah. great. They're the best and, ones, yeah. And it's just that, like, and I know that we have this, I, you know, obviously, again, like you said, Soviet Russia is was was probably a terrible place, but this feels like 80s comedy version of Russian bureaucracy to a point. Probably. And honestly, yeah. maybe it was like that. But this movie gives us so little time to absorb that context that it's it's a it's a little over it's a little over it's a little over the top. I totally agree. And the 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 you're right about the beginning. I thought it was especially annoying because when we meet the the time between us meeting Hank and by the way, there's a, a he's narrating all of his feelings at this point as well in a voiceover, which I hate to. But the time between us meeting him and him seeing Tetris for the first time is about a minute. Like there's yeah. no, we are we are not given any information to bond with him or to see him try and sell his games that aren't landing or to see his life. So we're not given the context. So when he sees Tetris as this thing, like it's meaningless to us because we don't know anything about him. Like the movie begins with him going, Oh, look, his test, his Tetris. And if it had given a better script writer would have given him a bit more time, given us a bit more time to uh, meet him and learn about why Tetris should feel important to him. Like we don't know who he is. We don't know anything past that. He's trying to sell one game and uh, it, you're right. It just completely rushes it and it just feels so straightforward it doesn't feel that creative all the video game stuff feels super labored and uh it doesn't have that spark that it really really needed i think yeah and i don't know i think for me it's just that the the 
I think I'm basically trying to say the same thing you're saying. I'm trying to find a different way to say it. But the storytelling itself is so straightforward. And I feel like this would have been a perfect example yeah. of a film where they they needed an unreliable narrator smirking at the screen every once in a while. If they're gonna <laughs> if they're gonna make a movie where Russian bureaucracy it literally has three different people negotiating for the rights to this video game, which like in a in a an authoritarian regime like that alone is already a little bit ridiculous and so i feel like if taron egerton's mm-hmm. character if hank had been the one to every once in a while to like there's a there's a moment where the russians don't really realize they've been duped by this western company and he explains it to them and in that whole sequence which is a long sequence it's five or it's probably actually probably more like eight or ten minutes of the movie and I just feel like every time he explains something to him and the Russians walk out of the room, if he'd looked at the camera and been like, could you believe this shit? Like, this actually happened. This happened. Mm-hmm. This is how it went mm-hmm. down. Uh, kind of like, and I think the closest example would be like a movie like The Big Short, where you have the characters yeah. who are like, like my, one of my favorite move, moments in The Big Short is these two younger investors in the movie. They find this like pitch deck, this pitch document for an investment in the like in the middle of a lobby of a bigger bank and they look right at the camera and they say, okay, this is not how this happened. We just don't have time to tell you how it actually happened. So we're just going to pretend like, you know, I feel like this movie could use that level of narration. Yeah. Um, uh, Or even if they went full Wolf of Wall Street with it, where like the the main character was just a total douchebag and just was like, yeah, this is what happened. I did the thing, you know, like they needed something needed any little extra bit of, of creativity in the way the story was told, would make this a great movie. Yeah, or have the Russian KGB woman who plays a pivotal part in this have her as the narrator and and reveal her as the narrator at the end. Like, have yeah. have a more interesting angle than the main character saying, "Here I am, and this is what I'm thinking." It's just it's so lazy. It's so straightforward. Oops, and um, yeah, any of those ideas you've just suggested would have made this movie better. Like, yeah. there's just a real lack of creativity in the way this is told and I hate to say it but it feels like a streaming movie it feels like a made for TV streaming movie I'm not sure this would have been made this way for a theatrical release and as there's this big big push for uh, the streaming services are all trying to get their own exclusives uh, as these big movie events and more often than not, there's a real lack of creativity in these kind of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I don't really have a ton else to say about this. No, I got nothing else to say about it's, it. I was uh, kind of bored by it. I was going to say that I think this is probably the perfect kind of movie to have on in the background while you're doing other stuff. You know what I mean? Although I will say, sure. I will say one thing. There's one thing I legitimately liked about this movie, and that's the music. I did really like the music in the movie. <laughs> the score is there great. Is one, it makes a really good, really drop. good. Uh, there's a one great needle drop. There's also really good use of the actual Tetris theme mixed into the score of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, Lauren Lauren Balf is a great composer, and I do really like the music in this movie. Yeah. And yeah. again, yeah, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of Taron Egerton. Um, probably gonna like this if you if you like toby jones um probably gonna like this um it's there's it's I like perfect. Ben miles i think ben miles is great yeah um i think for me i i 
My guess is, and I'm just reading your brain here, um, but my guess is you're about to give it two stars. <laughs> yes. Is that correct? Yeah. You know me very well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was fine. Two stars doesn't mean bad. It was totally fine, but yeah. so straightforward. So for me, it's it's going to be a three um, for the yeah. same reason. Three is where if it's a fine, if it's fine, then it's three. That's for me. Two is the beginnings of, of bad for me. So it's a three because um, I think yeah. it's perfectly like it's not it's not great, but it's perfectly cromulent. There's honestly there's nothing. I there's nothing nothing exactly wrong with <clears throat> it. It just it's just it's when you watch as many movies as we do, it's just frustrating that it's not better. And that's not again. It, it, that's not saying that it's bad. It's just it's 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 just frustrating that it's not better. Just just annoyed at the opportunities they had to integrate Tetris into the telling of the story about Tetris and just completely squandered them. Yeah. Right. And and then the ones they did make, so a couple of them were completely either incorrectly used or just plain incorrect. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Anyway. Anyway, well, that's yeah, uh, anyway. that's our uh, two films for this week. Um, the we uh, will probably be back next weekend is Easter weekend, so we may be on a break because I will be out of town. Um, but that is yet to be determined. So we will probably see you in two weeks' time. If you are new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. If you are not new to the show, thank you so much for sticking around. We do appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to check out if you are if you do like the show, uh, we do have a Patreon, and if you subscribe, subscribe to that, you can listen to our bonus chats. This week we talked at length about um, Kurosawa and our various um gaps in our film personal film canons um uh and i'm still astounded that simon's never seen a kurosawa i'm just gonna oh come on dude (laughs) dude. Uh, he's probably Um, ever right anyway yeah (laughs) take that quote to zoom (laughs) (laughs) wow uh coming in hot captain hot takes makes his stunning return to the awesome friday podcast but anyway uh the bonus uh, the bonus chats are available to patrons of all tiers, uh, so do check that out. The cheapest tier is only two bucks a month. So, um, the other thing you could do for us if you like the show, just uh, share with your friends, um, give us a high rating on your podcasting platform of choice, or subscribe. Those things help immeasurably. You can find us on the socials: uh, me at SmatthewAF, Simon at Temporary Pen, and the show at Awesome Friday CA. Um, we record this here in Vancouver on the traditional ancestral lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. Um, and thank you one more time so much for joining us on this awesome Friday. Bye.